I'm not going to go over some of the stuff that we have been going over in great details, but you might remember when we talked about the purpose of the church. Whose church is it? Anybody know? Whose church? Specifically, whose church? Everybody say Jesus' church. All right, Jesus said what? I will build my church, right? Who's in charge of the church? Jesus. Amen? You, I mean, you can say God generically, but let's get specific. It was Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church, right? And then the church is made up of all the born-again believers that are in heaven, that are on earth, on earth and uh, we're all a part of it, called the church universal. And then we've talked some about the local church and how it breaks down, how it's a reflection of the church universal. And again, as I mentioned, if you look up that word church universal in the Bible, you will not find it. All right, The term is just a term to help us understand, just like the word fivefold ministry is not in the Bible. But many of you that have been around a church have all been taught, well, that's just a small word that helps us understand something uh, a little bit bigger. We love to shorten things in the U.S., don't we? <laughs> I mean, we really do. We love to take uh, uh, words and just shrink them down and make it easier to remember. And uh, we do that so much, sometimes people can get in a concordance in the Bible and say, I cannot find this word this preacher's talking about. Well, it's because it doesn't exist. It isn't there. But it's just a term to help us understand things. But one of the things that we taught you that we went over and over and over is, how is Jesus going to build his church? I'm asking a question. Anybody just throw it out there. How is he going to do it? What? Revelation knowledge. And what is revelation knowledge? Knowledge that man can't teach, that you can't learn from a textbook. It is strictly from the Holy Spirit unveiling to you the plan of God. Or he unveils to you knowledge that no way you could get it, no how, without God. Okay, That is how uh, God is going to build his church. In other words, wh- what does that mean in, a, in, a, in, in our real world, everyday sense? It means God speaking in your heart, God leading you in your heart, and that is how uh, he is going to build his church. Amen? Well, again, today we're going to take a little bit of different direction. Let me ask you a question. You don't need to answer this out loud. Just, just think about it. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word family. Again, don't answer that, but many of you have a different image, thoughts, and so on. The first image, obviously, that comes to mind will probably be influenced by how you were raised, okay? By your background. And you know, that could be really different for us, uh, all of us. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, vastly different. Some of you come from really good, solid homes, uh, that had a mom and dad, and, and, and everything was like it should be. And then others come from divorced homes, uh, like I did, uh, come from things ripped apart. Uh, there could be other people involved that, uh, you know, parents living together or uh, having a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and, and, and things aren't what uh, would be considered normal, okay? In our world now, normal is a <laughs> I mean, that is just out there some. I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, all convoluted and mixed up, it seems like now. But what it should have is what? 
a mom and a dad, right, and, and uh, maybe a brother or sister or two or more or many and, and, and whatnot and a nice home and a good structure, raised up in church. That would be ideal, but that isn't the case. But all said and done, when it comes to me, uh, my family, the way I view that, I see that different from my immediately family. And what I mean is my children, my wife, versus how I was raised. That was much different in how I would view family between the two. But if I were to consider my immediate family, my wife and my children, I, when I think of the word family, I think of getting together, for example, around a meal. I think of everyone at that same table together and having a part to play. Everyone has something to say. Uh, everybody counts. Everyone's valuable. And when someone is missing, when one of the family's members is not there, it's very noticeable. Now, my idea of family, in, in my, what I believe would be ideal, everyone has some level of responsibility to the whole family. And what I mean is, family takes care of one another. Family notices when someone is hurting or needing help or steps in to meet that need. Uh, Family sacrifices for one another. Uh, Family looks out for one another. Great lessons are taught in family. For example, family may not always agree on everything, but nonetheless, that is shadowed by the fact that we love one another and we respect one another, we honor one another. In other words, we don't, we don't bring up the past and say, well, you did this and you did that. We wash that over with love. That's what family should do anyway. But the fact is, is that when I look at family and I consider my own personal house, I can think of this. Family means a sense of belonging. Family means a sense of belonging. In other words, all my kids have moved out of the house. They're all gone doing their own thing. And then when they come together, uh, home now is their home. In other words, they say, I'm going back home. They're not usually referring to their house. They're talking about mom and dad. They're talking about the family's house. And when they come in, they don't ask about, may I use your restroom? (laughs) May I get something out of the fridge? No, it's home to them. In other words, they belong. Everybody say belong. That's a strong word, isn't it? Belong, belong. It's a powerful word. It's a word. There's a lot of people that don't really know the meaning of that, belonging to something. Well, our earthly family gives us a great picture of our spiritual family, the church. In fact, in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, we see how the church is compared to earthly marriage. Now, if you take a man and a woman and they come together in marriage, what do they produce? A family, right? They're a family themselves. If they come together, even without children, they are a family. And uh, that's powerful. Family, God's idea, God's intention. We have a family now in the body of Christ. We are family. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's look at verses 14 and 15. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a prayer Paul is teaching us to pray. 
But notice what he says in verse 15. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Whole family. In other words, family is here. The body of Christ is a family. That's God's word. Again, not man's idea or man's creation. God places a high regard for family. I believe family first is God's idea. He created Adam and Eve and told them to multiply and fill the earth with what? Families. That's exactly what God wanted right at the beginning. That was one of the first commands. Boom, go and fill the earth and create families. You and I, who have received Jesus as Lord, have been adopted into the family of God. You and I are no longer outsiders in the kingdom of God. We're citizens. We belong. Everybody say it with me. I am a citizen of heaven. I belong there. You do. You belong there. That you're, you're part of the family. Let's look at another scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 in the New Living. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Praise God. You're no longer a stranger and a foreigner. But the Bible says that you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. Look what it says. You are members of God's family. You are members of God's family. Say it with me. I am a member of God's family. You need to say that all the time because anybody here have a down moment where you feel like no one understands and, and, and you just you don't feel like you belong, you're connected? You need to remind yourself, I'm a member of God's family. I belong. And when I want to talk to my daddy, he's never going to give me a busy signal. He's always available to me. Amen? <laughs> That's good news. Listen, there are many scriptures throughout the New Testament that relate family to the body of Christ. What I mean is, most of you are familiar with the term uh, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so in church, right? I mean, that's a very common thing. We see that throughout the New Testament, that we're referred to brothers and sisters. In fact, the Bible not only helps us relate family to the body of Christ, but it literally uh, shows us as family and shows us how to deal with one another accordingly. Look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. This is talking about you and I communicating with family in the church. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. All right? Look at that. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. So notice that we got father, mother, brothers, sisters. What does that equal? A family. A family. We really are family. This is not just some, well, that's a pretty idea. No, this is real. How many believe God is real? How many believe Jesus is real? How many believe if he says we're a family, then we are a family? In fact, here's something to go one step beyond that. We're an eternal family. You and I are in a family. See, you all have earthly families, flesh and blood families, that guess what? Are going to dissipate. That is going to 
go away, so to speak, as we head towards heaven. Some, some people have this crazy idea that like if they were married on earth, they'll be married in heaven. No, the Bible says there's no, there's no marriage in heaven. There's no giving of marriage. There's no taking. There's nothing like that. The fact is, we are really our family, and we are an eternal family. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ for eternity eternity we will know each other for eternity we will work together for eternity that's that is powerful compared to our natural families and our natural families are important what's the best thing you can do for your natural family reach them for jesus why so you can see them for eternity (laughs) amen you want that's the best gift you could give them is jesus amen leaving them a bunch of money is wonderful but Leaving them Jesus is the ultimate gift. Amen? Church is family. In fact, that's the title of my message today. Church is family. The body of Christ is the church. All right? And the church is not a building. The church is made up of the members of the body of Christ. In other words, born-again believers all over the world. Now, we are one big family. (laughs) I mean, we are huge. The family of God is one big family on the earth. Think about it for a minute. Millions and millions and millions of believers all around the world that are your brothers and sisters in Christ, not including all the ones that have gone on ahead of us to heaven. One big, big family. Well, God believes in family, as I said earlier. Now listen carefully to me right now. He wants his family to get together consistently, to help each other, to spend time together, to listen to what he has to say, to work alongside each other for a common goal. And what is that goal? To encourage and mature each member of the family and then reach others to grow the family. That's what he's interested. He's interested in each and every one of us. You matter to him. You, he knows everything about you. Anybody have middle children in their home? You know, I have a middle child named Allison, and she has sometimes middle child syndrome. <laughs> she just gets caught between things, and and it's 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 strange. Uh, there is some realness to that to the first child to the last child to the middle child for example my first child zillions of photos of when she was really little and then my second one yeah downgraded some maybe you know 20 percent less by the time we get to Ben, where is he it's in her somewhere i mean you know it was just it, it's like there are some but it's not as many as the first child yet the last child got a lot of benefits that the other ones didn't have Dad was a little more prosperous, a little bit wiser in how he handled things. So that last child got a lot of those kind of benefits that the first one didn't get, you know. But the first one got a lot of attention, you know. It was a lot about that first one. And the middle one somewhere in there, you know, I don't know. It's it's, it's really unique. But with our family in the family of God, there is none of that. First child, last child, middle child. He treats us all the same. He looks to us all the same. He loves us all the same. And he cares about us. And he knows everything about you. He knows where your mailbox is. I mean, listen to me. Our our Heavenly Father loves each and every 
child he has equally the same. Now, does every child love him the same? Not at all. Not at all. Some of them don't even recognize him, don't pay any attention. But the fact is, he loves family. Now, when we talk about family in the body of Christ, it would be impossible for all believers everywhere in the world right now to meet at the same time at the same location. Wouldn't we agree? Not possible. So his word, though, still tells us to meet numerous times. Over and over, he talks about us being around one another. Therefore, God created the local church. He put a pastor over that local church. And the local church is a type of the church universal, the family of God. So in other words, the local church is where the local portion of the family of God comes together, so to speak. That's really the picture you need to see. You're called to this church. So in other words, this local family, God took a portion of the family of God and handpicked. Everybody say handpicked. He did. He handpicked. He handpicked me. That was good English. I handpicked it. Um, he, he picked me. He picked every single one of you. And there are many others. He's handpicked. You belong there. You belong there. How many know God knows more than we do? Sometimes we might question things, but the reality is, is that he does know better than we do. Family loves each other. Family loves each other. Look with me, John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus speaking. A new commandment I give to you. Now I want you to notice something. You ought to underline this in your Bible, that you love one another. You ought to underline one another. One another. That you love one another. Now notice what he says. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. There's that term, one another. Notice it again, verse 35. By, all, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for, here's that word again, one another. One another. When I see the Lord repeat things, when the Holy Spirit repeats things, that should make us stop and examine it. So we see, number one, we see love, okay, primary, but we see this one another, one another, one another, repeated over and over and over. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he wasn't, when he was talking, he wasn't necessarily talking about people outside the family of God. He was talking to the family of God when he said, you love one another. All right? That doesn't mean we don't love people outside the family of God. Of course we love them, but the emphasis is on what? Love one another. Love one another. In fact, he went on to say that others will know who we are, know what family we belong to, know that we are disciples of him, know that we are believers, or we could say everyone will know that we are of the same family for our love for one another. It stands out. It's recognizable. Listen to this statement. You express your love for God by loving each other. That is something you really ought to write down. I know it sounds so simple. It's so like, come on, pastor, that's so obvious. But is it? You express your love for God by loving each other. That is how I express it. None of you have seen God. But you see members of the family of God. 
the brothers and sisters when we come together. And those are the ones that Jesus was talking about. Love one another. And if you'll do that, those people on the outside are going to say, you belong to that family, don't you? (laughs) You're part of that Jesus thing, aren't you? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm part of the Jesus club. Amen, aren't you? Amen, I'm part of the family of God. But loving one another. Well, listen carefully. Your expression of your love for God is by loving each other. Then how can you can't do that without consistently being around each other? If someone plays Lone Ranger and separates themselves, well, how are they going to love their brothers and sisters in Christ? And that's part of their expression for loving God. Think about it for a moment. God knows what he's doing when he brought us together. He he had a plan. He knew what he was doing. He had a master plan. Let's look at part of that. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 of the New Living. I really love the way this is worded. Verse 24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate... Now here's that word. What does it say? Okay, everybody read it. To motivate everybody now. Ready? One another. There's that word. One another. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. All right? That means we're working together to do that. But that's not possible if we don't come together consistently. Look at verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Is it important to the Lord that we come together? Does he want his family to come together? And let me ask you this. I I know for me personally, now I'm a pastor, and God's anointed me, and part of that in the local family is, is like being a spiritual dad, okay? And for some of you say, but I'm older than you, you know? That really doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just that there's someone there that, that is looking out, that is praying for you, that, is, that by the Spirit of God can teach you things you may not have known or help you. All right, That's what a spiritual father does, or a spiritual father in the Lord. All right, But I miss everybody if someone's, I mean, if someone's missing, I notice it. All right, And it bothers me. I don't want anybody missing any meal, any time. I'm sorry, I wouldn't be worth being a pastor if I didn't. Okay, That's just the way it is. Now, you might understand that if we bring it to your home. That when you have a dinner and you've invited your family, especially maybe your children, you don't want them to miss. And if they do miss, it still bothers you. Yeah, you understand, but it still bothers you. You want everybody there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You want everybody there. You can kind of understand and relate to how I feel, but even on a bigger picture, how does the Father feel? When when He creates a wonderful meal and He wants family fellowship time and people don't want to come. They don't want to be a part of it. Think about how he feels. Think about Jesus, the head of the church, who sacrificed everything for the church. And he wants to bring us together to grow us up, to help us, to deliver us, to set us free, to meet the needs in our life on every level, and people just refuse it. I imagine that doesn't please him very well. How many would agree? 
and not to be a downer on this, let's read this verse again. Bring it up again, the whole thing, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, now notice, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are closer to Jesus than we ever have been, his return. I mean, uh, way closer. We're on the edge. I don't know how much more the earth can take of some things. You know, the world can take of some things. In other words, it's going to give eventually here. We live in an age of earthquakes all the time. All the time. You can find some place on the planet there's an earthquake, some natural disaster. You know what that is? The earth moaning and groaning, waiting for the children of God. I mean to be what they're supposed to be. I'm telling you guys, this natural earth is affected by spiritual things. I mean, spiritual forces. It's powerful. But the issue is, our coming together to motivate one another to love, to encourage one another, is important to the Lord. In the New Testament, there are over 50 instances of the phrase, one another and each other. Did you know that? Over 50 instances of the phrase, one another and each other. There are 13 characteristics in the New Testament expressed through these phrases alone. Let me read them to you real quickly. You ready? Don't try to write all these down, okay? We are to love one another. We are to pray for each other. We are to encourage each other. We are to admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, honor each other. We are to accept each other. We are to bear one another's burdens. We are to submit to each other, be devoted to each other. We are to forgive each other. These are all New Testament characteristics that we should see in the family of God. This is what family does, doesn't it? You see... Members of the family may not always agree with each other. We're all different on so many levels. But there's this powerful force in the family, this love that brings us together and we're able to overcome those things. And that's how someone ought to feel coming in. No one should ever enter our building and feel like an outsider. Now, if they're not born again, they're going to feel like an outsider automatically, but at least we ought to be a warm shelter for them to go ahead and what? Receive the Lord. In other words, they feel comfortable around us that we're not pointing the finger at them, you know, pointing out their faults. We're welcoming them into the kingdom of God. We're with open arms. But a member of the body of Christ, someone who's just looking for a church to be a part of, should walk in and what? Feel warm and welcome. Not they feel like an outsider. They feel like we're a clique. They feel like uh, we're not uh, as welcoming as we think we are. You know, we are going out of our way to welcome them. That's how things ought to be in the family of God. We're family. We always accept one another. We forgive one another. We encourage one another. There are benefits to being a part of a church family. An active member of a church family. Everybody say active member. Anybody get that term active member? Not sedentary member, not spectator member, but everybody say the word participator. Let's try that again. Participator. All right. That means what? We participate. We're active. We're involved in the family. But consider someone 
who is a spectator or who chooses to avoid the local church. Or again, if they do go, they do everything they can not to really get connected, not to really get involved. Uh, They just kind of want to come when they come and do what they want to do. They're going to limit themselves, their family, and the church is going to be hurt by that. You see, and I want everyone to listen closely to this statement because the Lord really emphasized this with me as I was putting the message together. We must look at the local church more as a family than we do just a facility where we fulfill religious obligations. And there are many, that's their viewpoint. You want to be excited that I get to go see my family on Sunday morning. I get to see my my Heavenly Father. I get to worship Him and and spend time with Him. I get to honor Him with the tithe. I get to, to spend time with my family and say hi to people I haven't seen for a few days and, and, and be a part of things. I get to be involved in the kingdom of God and what Jesus is doing on the earth. I am an active member. I'm part of things. That's powerful. Every believer needs a church family. And every believer needs to be connected in that church family. You see, that's a game changer in how they see life. One is being on the outside, just kind of looking at things, saying, wow, that's nice, but I don't really want to get involved. I don't, I've been hurt before. I just don't want to commit, or whatever the reason is. And they, they always are just on the outside edge. Or those that step in. And are part of everything. It's like, it's like uh, learning how to swim. You could have a great event where everybody's in the pool having a good time. And, 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 or, or on the lake having a good time doing water sports. And, but see, you are hesitant about it because you don't know how to swim. So you're, you're kind of staying off to the side. Well, guess what? There's a couple of ways to solve that, isn't there? You could learn how to swim. You could put a life vest on, you know, and float. (laughs) I mean, you're not going anywhere. My point is, but you're going to have to make a decision to step out there and be a part of the group with everybody else and experience something or just be a spectator. And there's a big difference between watching something and being a part of something, isn't there? There's a vast difference there. There's a vast difference in the way you'll view things and your belonging changes dramatically when you're a part of something and not just on the outside watching something. When you connect to something. Let me give you some things if you want to write these down. They're real simple. What church provides someone, okay? What church provides someone? Church provides a place of hope and security. And what I mean by that is it's a place where you're not judged on your appearance, education, or color. It's a safe place, a welcoming place. It's family. A church provides a place of hope and security. Church provides a place of teaching. And what I mean by that is you're taught God's Word and how it applies in your life. Church provides a place of growth. In other words, working alongside each other causes you to grow. It stretches you. You have to submit to one another. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But the greatest growth I have seen in members in a church is when they get involved. When they work alongside each other. It's not sitting down hearing a message. 
I believe that the practice of that will occur when you're actually involved, when you're doing it. When you come to work day and you work alongside someone and you don't always agree on everything you're going to do or how you're going to do it, that causes you to walk in love. You have to submit yourself. It's a powerful, powerful thing that changes your life, that causes growth in your life. Church provides a place of accountability. We all need accountability in life. We need someone that's helping us keep an eye on ourselves. Everybody needs accountability. We're not meant to be lone rangers. That's why God created family. So that we're looking out for one another. We're encouraging one another. We're, we're, we're helping each other. We're, we're, we're lifting each other's burdens. Church provides a place of fellowship. And fellowship is extremely important to family. Think about the list of characteristics we read earlier on one another and each other that we were talking about. How can I do that without fellowship? <laughs> How, if we don't have fellowship in the mix, we really don't have family. Because family, a big part of it is about fellowship. It's about connecting one another. It's about listening to one another. It's about uh, connecting. And I don't know another word. Connecting is probably the best word. It's about learning about someone else. It's about, hey, wow, I didn't know that, you know. Um, it's about how someone else can help you in life because guess what? How many of you know some of us have walked some roads someone else hasn't, right? The older you are, the more valuable. It's funny. Sometimes people think the older they get, the less valuable they are when it should be just the opposite. In other words, if you'd make yourself available to younger people to say, you know, I don't mean, and you don't do this. Listen, you good for nothing, no nothing, blankety blank, blank. That's not the way to get a younger person to listen. But if you'd make yourself available to help, you could say, you know, I, I've been down that road a time or two. You know, I know how to get out of this situation. I know how to solve a debt problem. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. You can help someone else. I know, oh, in other words, everybody in the family is valuable. Amen. Everybody is valuable and precious. The church provides a place of sharing. Sharing our love, our help, our finances to move the gospel forward. To celebrating life's experiences with weddings and births and graduations and so on. Isn't that what part of church is about? Amen? It's church. Now this is another one. Church provides a place of help. And what I mean is, Help when the storms of life come. Tragedy comes. People have gone through divorce, lost family members, lost jobs. Well, church, we come together as a family and we support one another. We watch, we have each other's back. No one should feel alone. And we're doing something wrong if someone in this church feels alone. Someone's not listening. I'm telling you what, the same Spirit of God that lives in me is in Jack, is in Philip, is in Rita, is in Clara, and so on. And if you'll listen in your belly, you'll be drawn to someone. You'll know what I'm talking about. you just like, why am I thinking about them? Why am I thinking? Well, then stop and pray and say, Holy Spirit, obviously you're speaking to me about them. What do you want me to do? Maybe he wants you to send an encouraging card, make an encouraging phone call. 
Just be a blessing to them. Maybe he's speaking to you, I want you to give them $40. You say, why? You know, they look fine, everything's good. Shut up and just do what he tells you to do and don't worry about appearances. Amen? Say it with me. I obey the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're, our job is not to question the Holy Spirit. <laughs> our job is to what? Pray. You know, I remember one time years ago, Pastor Jerry, my old pastor, uh, back when he was in the ministry with his brother, Jim, who was out doing all kinds of things all over the world. And he woke up in the middle of the night. And the the Lord said, uh, basically, he had a strong sense to pray for his brother right now. Right now. The whole time he's sitting there praying, he's judging him. In other words, what kind of trouble is he in now? Oh, my little brother. He's always doing, you know, and he's like, what kind of trouble? You know, and the Lord spoke to him and said, I asked you to pray for him, not to judge him. And he said, he only, he's, he's making a decision and he's making a slight left turn and I need him to go straight. That's all. Now shut up and pray. In other words, the Holy Spirit needed someone, what? to step in between him and that situation, an intercessor. And so he prayed and he made the right decision and all was well. But see, sometimes that's the first thing that comes to mind. When someone brings someone to our thought life, the, the Lord, or he, he, you have an impression in your heart, you think, what's wrong with them? <laughs> What'd they do wrong? You know, Don't think like that. Just think, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? It's not your job to figure out anything else beyond that. Amen? That, that includes us. How many of you know that... Well, let's put it this way. Do you want everybody knowing your business? No? You all live in glass houses. What's the rule? Don't throw rocks. Amen? Don't throw rocks. In other words, don't pick on someone else. In other words, just love people. Amen? Just love people. Just to be a blessing. Amen? Don't sit there and try to figure out what's wrong, what's not, and so on. Listen, say this with me. We are family. Family's there. Listen, for the good times and the bad, isn't it? Family's there all the time. Our mission as a family is ultimately to reach the world for Jesus. However, taking care of the family of God internally is our first priority and always will be. In other words, you don't, I don't go feed someone on the other side of the world with my children's dinner. Anybody understand what I'm saying? That's wrong. Well, if someone needs help here, it trumps what's out there. You understand what I'm saying? That doesn't mean... That if we, if we grow everybody up and we mature everybody and everybody does their part, that we should be what? Strong and healthy. And we shouldn't have too many problems like that. And we're able to focus out there. But there comes a time sometimes when you have, how many know families produce babies? <laughs> right? And you get babies, spiritually speaking, that come in. They always need help, you know? I mean, somebody said one time, you know, you could grow a church to, to 500 from, from 10 overnight if you do the right things, but then you might have a church full of what? Babies. And babies want what? I need my electric bill. I need gas for my car. I need groceries. 
Well, if everybody in the church is a baby, where's the... (laughs) Don't we need parents in there somewhere? We need somebody to help support that. One of the things I pray in our church is I pray, Lord, balance things. In other words, I want babies because every church needs babies. But I'm like, bring me some mature ones too with it so it balances it. So we're not out of balance because there are places that are way out of balance. I mean, you've got all babies and babies, again, just need. What do babies do? They just think of themselves, right? I mean, come on now. Two-year-old never said, Mom, take a break. Put your feet up. It's okay, you know. Chill out, Mom. No, what, what does a child do? It, life is all about me. Everything's about me. And that's the spiritually, uh, you get a spiritual baby. He can be a 50-year-old and life is all about them. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because they're a spiritual baby. They don't know any different. Everybody's got to grow. Amen. Everybody say, I'm growing. <laughs> Listen, I want you to go ahead and, and get the, them in here real quick. We're going to bring everybody in the room real fast. I want to look at one more scripture here real quickly. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. I really like this scripture. I, I really would hope that you'd memorize this. You ought to put this on your fridge um, anywhere. It says, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things, everybody say, above all things. Now, what does that mean? Above all things means what? Above everything, above everything, above all things, have fervent love for what? One another. Have fervent love. Now, how many know fervent love isn't just this passive thing that sits on the sidelines? No, what does fervent mean? Excited, moving forward, doing something about it. Amen? Fervent. Everybody say fervent. So we're, listen, above all things. Listen carefully. Above all things. Everybody say it with me again. Above all things. So above everything in life, this trumps everything. Everything. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. What, what are we to have for one another? Fervent love. Fervent love. We're aggressive about it almost. We're, we're looking for ways. Why? Remember, remember Hebrews? Bring up Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Look at that one. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Man, I tell you what, that is a good word. Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Amen. That is good, good information. Listen to me. Our life is not about ourselves. Our life is not about ourselves. It's about number one, God, and number two, our family, and growing that family. And what I mean is we love our family And then we grow our family. I'm going to say a statement. I want you to listen closely to this. Okay? We grow the family of God with every member being active, not just passively watching, but every member actively participating, loving, working, sharing, faithful to God and to one another. I want you to listen closely to this statement again because the Lord was very specific with me on this. All right, I didn't just come up with this on my own. He said, we grow the family of God. How many want to see the family of God grow here? 
Now, when we say family of God, what do we mean? We mean all of us growing, we're growing, we're developing, right? But we also want to grow numerically. I mean, grow the family of God. How many believe, think about what we could do in this city if we were three times the size we were. I mean, and we're doing well now, and I really, honestly, I have it in my heart so strong that it is time for us to take more steps outward. More steps outward. We've had several years of focused inward, fixing things, adjusting things, and doing this and doing that. The fact is, the Lord said it's time to spend more time outward. That doesn't necessarily mean skipping church, okay? (laughs) But what it means is that we are making more steps to reach people to invite them, to connect with them, to witness with them, that that is going to be something as we go into 2019 needs to be more emphasized with us in our lives. I really believe that the Lord has this on my heart. But listen again to the statement. This is what the Lord gave me. We grow the family of God with every member. Who's a member here? Put your hand up. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. No, keep your hands up. Who's a member? Everybody, everybody's a member, right? Now listen carefully. This is what he said. We grow the family of God with every member being, now here's the part, active, not just passively watching, but every member actively participating, loving, working, sharing, faithful to God and to one another. All right, that's how it happens. Let me share a scripture real fast. Ephesians 4, 16. This is in the New Living. He makes, who makes? Who's the head of the church? Jesus, right? He's the head of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So how does it grow? It grows by every member doing their part. But if a part says, no, I don't want to. Well, if my foot (laughs) would say, I'm going to create a band of resistors. And we are not going to do this, okay? I'm going to, my foot says, I'm done. I'm not part of the body. I'm just going to spectate. I'm just going to watch. I'm not going to actively be involved. Am I going to have difficulty getting around? Am I going to have difficulty doing things? Are you guys seeing the picture? That's why God used the body as the illustration. He was being literal. If part of the body in the church refuses to do their part, refuses to connect, refuses to be active, the whole body pays the price for it. Because it puts what? The job still needs to get done, right? We still need to reach out. We still need to accomplish all these things. But yet, it's more work on the rest of the body. If my foot says, you're going to have to drag me around to get me to do anything. So I need to go ahead and do some work and move some things around. What's happening now? The rest of my body has to what? Support what this part should have been doing. Is it important that every part, no matter how 
odd, how insignificant it seems to appear, how ugly or not matters. Am I right? So let's relate that into our local church, our local body. That means no matter how old, how young, our education, our background, what we're called to and what we're not called to, doesn't matter. Every part needs to do its part. Everybody follow me on this so far. It is so important. How many want to see us do great things in Muskogee and the surrounding areas? How many really do? Really, really. I don't, I don't mean I just, yeah, you know. I, I mean, I really, 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 really do. I believe, listen to me. There are people on their way to hell all over the place and don't even know it. Some of them are going to church and don't even. There's preachers that are preaching what they would consider the gospel and aren't even born again. Don't even know. There are people that need to be healed, that are walking in pain, that need to be delivered, but they don't know the truth. And see, our job is to what? Grow and share the truth. But I can't do that by myself. (laughs) We as a whole body need to come together and get involved, get connected.